Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, it was a bright, beautiful, sunny day, and I was sitting outside of one of my favorite neighborhood coffee shops up in East Harlem in New York City. I was sitting there, and I was just, my senses were just being overwhelmed. My ears were just filled with a lot of noise, and one of those was uh, Bob Marley's voice, and he was singing One Love. Do you know that song? One love, join me, one love, one heart, let's get together and feel all right. Yeah, see, you know that song. That's a beautiful song. That's a really great uh, thing to be hearing, especially in such a big city like New York, because there's a lot of uh, diversity and a lot of uh, salty language that could be used. But that's a wonderful thing to be hearing. But the other thing that I was hearing were just so many people just walking in front of me as I was sitting outside of our neighborhood coffee shop up there. And so many people were just walking and milling about, going to and from their apartments, pulling their personal shopping carts behind them. No one was speaking English. And it was in this moment that God started to deal with me and impress upon me something. And as I was sitting there, my uh, smell, I was just smelling so many things. And uh, at the corner, the vendors were opening up their churro containers so you could see and smell the sweet sugar and cinnamon just wafting in the air, followed by goat meat that was being stewed down to make birria tacos. And if you've never had birria taco, oh, it, you not, you've got to get that. It's so good. Uh, it's, if you're a meat eater. My wife's not, so she doesn't know the joys of birria meat. Uh, anyway, and so if you want to have that, go find that in Cincinnati. But I'm just sitting there, and I'm just smelling all this and hearing all this. And it was just really impressed upon me. In that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what heaven is going to look like. Now, it's probably not going to look like New York City, and that's probably a sigh of relief to some, but for me, that would be amazing. Um, You know, I definitely love cities. And so, but as I was sitting there, I was just vividly reminded that this is what heaven is going to look like, a beautifully diverse like cornucopia of cultures and ethnicities that are all united together in worship and service of God and despite of, but quite possibly because of their diversity. In Revelation chapter seven, verses nine and 10, John gets a vision, Apostle John gets a vision of what the future is going to look like for us in heaven. He says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What is it that you see in that picture? You see unity happening? I do. 
There's so many, there's so much diversity, but everyone is focused on a central figure and a central focal point, and that's God himself. And we're worshiping and united together, even though we're different, even though we're speaking different languages, even though we have different color of our skins, especially me, because I got really sunburned yesterday at Building Hope. And so, you know, no one's red in here, thankfully, but I'm the only red person. Uh, But all of us are gathered together, worshiping God, this central figure, this central point. And John is seeing this picture of what heaven is going to look like and what our future will look like if we are followers of Jesus. Does that picture excite you? Yeah, it excites me. This is a beautiful picture of a diverse just cornucopia of cultures and ethnicities displaying some future perfect union. But you know what? It's not just something that's in the future. It's also something that God has always wanted. What's gonna happen in the future will happen because it is God's will. And he has expressed his will from the very beginning. Uh, Last week, Pastor Phil highlighted these verses and I wanna read them again. In Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, it says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. I just love that, don't you? That all the families on earth will be blessed through you. This was God's original will. It's always been his will that his people who are following after him will be a blessing to all the families on earth. If you look in the original Hebrew, that is just all of the ethnicities, every single nation, every tribe, every language, every tongue, are all being blessed through God's people. But let's be honest though, we haven't really met that commission, have we? I mean, the Israelites really failed at this. And most modern day churches, at least here in America, are failing at this too. Can we all agree though that that trend ends today? that that trend ends with us in this generation, that we will be a generation that is inviting and making a diverse community that's seeing future generations transformed by the gospel. I mean, that is our mission and vision statement here at this church, and I believe that that aligns perfectly with what, the, what God's will is for our church. Don't you want our church to reflect what heaven is like? Don't you want your life to be a blessing to others no matter who they are or where they come from? Don't you want to live in that picture of unity and peace where it's just overflowing everywhere? I mean, I do. I want to live in that picture. I want my life to be a blessing. I want my church to reflect what heaven is going to be like. Those pictures give me hope. Those pictures bring peace to me. Those pictures fuel me to share the gospel of Jesus in tangible and tactile ways where we're meeting spiritual needs, but also physical and relational and and, uh, emotional, just holistic needs of others. That's why yesterday was so impactful where we're meeting so many needs of these five families down in Mayfield. Way to go, everyone, whether you gave of your money or your time or if you got sunburnt like me, just way to go. That's awesome because we are fulfilling what God has called us to. But I've got to confess that this topic is really burdensome, isn't it? 
I mean, you see the news, you know what's going on in our culture. You see that messages of hate and acts of violence just overflow its banks into every community, every aspect of our world. Whether you're at a grocery store, whether you're at a, uh, a middle school, whether you are at a church, you may or may not be safe. And if you're a, a person of color, that's even heightened. And so we are living in this culture that does not mirror what John saw in heaven. And most of our American churches don't reflect that either. According to uh, one study that I, I found, according to Stop AAPI Hate, which is uh, for uh, Asian people groups, and uh, they have an organization that tracks instances of violence and verbal abuse. There were more than 10,900 incidences reported between March 2020 and December 2021. 10,900. And those are just the ones that were reported. So we could clearly see that messages of hate are on the rise. And let's be honest, we fool ourselves if we act and stay in our echo chambers and act like bigotry or uh, hatred or individual or institutional racism is a thing of the past. It's not a thing of the past. Just 39 days ago, students from one of our local high schools here in Cincinnati posted signs that come straight out of the 1940s or 50s. They read blacks only and whites only over drinking fountains. They took pictures of it and posted it online. Friends, we have a long way to go until we realize and live in that picture of unity that John saw of heaven. We have a long way to go until we even fulfill Jesus' model prayer in Matthew 6 where he says in verse 10 that, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have an even longer way to go until we fulfill one of Jesus' other prayers in John chapter 17, verse 21. It says, I pray that they, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And, that, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I love the end of that prayer, that the world may believe you sent me. Could it be that the level of belief in Jesus in our culture is measured by the belief of unity amongst us. I think it could, that our culture sees whether we can be united, then maybe they can. That they're looking at us and believing in Jesus based on our actions, based on our words, based on our level of unity and, and how we bridge diversity with one another. I think that our, our culture is looking for that. But to be honest, most of our American churches are fine with the level of diversity in their congregation. 86% of American churches are represented by one mono-ethnic uh, group in, their, in, in the pews. So how can we be fulfilling God's call of, of unity and diversity in 86% of our churches just have one primary ethnic group represented in them. We have a long way to go until we become a diverse church that is glorifying God and we're all one together. And uh, Think about it this way and even pray about it. Don't, don't answer my question. Do you want MCC to become more diverse? Do you want to see the picture of heaven that John saw and that Jesus prayed for to happen here at Montgomery Community Church? 
Do you want your life to become more diverse? Friends, if you answer no to any of those questions, you really wouldn't have liked the early church. You would not have liked the early church one bit because at its inception, the early church was a beautifully diverse family that was filled with a cornucopia of cultures and ethnicities that are united together in worship and service of God. There was multiple ethnicities, multiple cultures represented in the, fa- in the early church and it literally changed the world. God wants his church, including this church, to be multi-ethnic. But how do we do that? How do we become this uh, mosaic that John saw and that Jesus prayed for? Well, the first thing that we can do is realize that this is our spiritual heritage. The multi-ethnic church is our spiritual heritage. If you are a follower of Jesus, then your spiritual heritage is multi-ethnic. After all, Jesus commanded us to be multicultural and multi-ethnic. In uh, Matthew chapter 28, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. In the original Greek, that's all ethnicities, all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And oh, I love this promise. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, it's going to get hard, isn't it, when you're meeting with people and they don't speak the same language as you, but Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Whereas you're with someone who has a lot of baggage and, and, and a lot of hurt that you may, may or may not understand, Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to help you bridge those divides. Jesus' earliest followers took this commandment to heart. And in part, and fulfilled it in part on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit just empowered them and enabled them to speak to a diverse crowd that had gathered in the city of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 2, verse 5 to 13, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia. Phygia, I think that's how you say it, Phygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Well, we can answer that question. What does this mean? It means that from the very beginning, the church was always designed to be multicultural and multi-ethnic. We have a slide of a picture of where all of these people come from. This is much more than a 15-minute drive for some people, but they came. And because of that, they were able to be in unity with one another. There's different cultures. There's different people groups that are all from all over. 3,000 people from different cultures and ethnicities with different lived experiences have become the family of God. 
and they started doing life together, which we can read about in Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, where it talks about how they're hearing the uh, apostles teaching and preaching and they're having fellowship and they're breaking bread with one another. They're not just doing it out in public for everyone to see, but they're also doing it in their own private homes and they're, they're having everything in common. They sold off possessions if, if they saw someone in need so that they can meet that need in their life. This is our spiritual heritage. This is why we build relationships with others. This is why we share burdens with others. This is why we share Jesus with others so that we can bring everyone into the diverse, inclusive, reconciling, multicultural family of God. Due to this uncommon multi-ethnic and multicultural unity, the church began to grow because the wider culture began to notice hey, if they can get it right, maybe we should join them and get it right as well. We are starting to, we are even starting to see this down in Avondale as we are partnering with different churches and community groups and organizations and we're seeing just this incredible diversity taking place and it's opening up doors where we can shoulder and share burdens and help one another and do a lot of good kingdom building work. Most recently, we've been partnering with the Wesley Educational Center, uh, and as we've been helping them expand their playground in the back of their lot, we've just been seeing so much, uh, so many good things coming out of that. And one good thing that came out of that, and I want to highlight, is Epic. They uh, were able to do, uh, donate and deliver 102 rolls of toilet paper to Wesley Educational Center. Now, this is a preschool, so I don't know how long that's going to last. My wife and I don't have kids, so I, I know babies create a lot of stuff that you have to wipe up, so I don't know how long that's going to last, but it'll last for a little bit, so uh, way to go, Epic, and way to go, everyone that is just pitching in and, and building into others. Now, I'll never forget the words of one of our partners that we're, that we're in relationship with down there. His name is Pastor, or a Bishop, Anias Tate. And I think it was like the first meeting that I ever met him. He said, the church leads the way. And man, man, that just hit me. Like, yeah, that's so right, Pastor. The church leads the way. Could it be that our culture is waiting on the church to lead the way? So that they're, oh, this is what unity looks like? This is what diversity amidst, unity amidst diversity looks like? Is this what it looks like when we're building into one another and we're, we're redeeming one another and reconciling one another and having relationships with one another and being the family of God that God commissioned and invites us to be? Man, I believe that the church leads the way. And in Acts, we see the church doing just that, that they're leading the way and the culture around them was just utterly amazed. But it wasn't all peaches and cream, obviously. It, it takes a lot of work, doesn't it? So one reason why I believe is that at its inception, the church was multicultural and it literally changed the world. But issues began to rise, didn't it? We read, we read in Acts chapter two, but then if we jump down to Acts chapter six, we'll see that the multicultural church requires ongoing intentional care. It requires ongoing intentional care. Acts chapter two, everything's going great. Acts chapter six, there's an issue. And we read, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So not only were Jewish people from all over Israel and all over you know, the place, as we saw on that map, 
coming together into one community, but a new type of Jewish person was entering into the church, and they were called Hellenists. These Hellenist Jewish people were ethnic Jews who practiced Judaism, but largely adopted Greek language and culture. So they didn't really speak Hebrew, nor did they really live out that kind of culture. Instead, they were living out a Greek-style culture. And so now they're entering into the church. These early Hellenistic believers were quite literally the, the original others. They were displaced from their ancestral homeland, dislocated from their culture and religious heritage, and now disavowed from societal support in the uh, daily provision for communal and physical sustenance. For some of you in this room or even online, you know exactly how that feels. You know exactly the thoughts that were going through these Hellenist minds. You know what it feels like to cautiously wade into a situation, hoping for the best, wanting to be cared for, wanting to have unity, wanting to build bridges with others, and hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. And that's exactly what this group of believers did. They believed the message because they saw it with their eyes. They saw the gospel in front of them and they wanted it. They were hungry for it. So they slowly, cautiously entered into that relationship, entered into the church, and their worst fear was realized. That the majority culture was willing to let them starve because they were different than them. That's what was going on in the early church. Everything was going great next to but then divisions became apparent and there was intentional, uh, ongoing care that needed to happen. I mean, imagine that. Luke, talked to, Luke said that all believers were together and had everything in common. Well, what's going on in Acts 6 now? The, the minority culture isn't getting fed. And so they drifted, didn't they? They drifted into what was comfortable for them. They drifted back into what was natural for them. But even though it's natural to seek the welfare and prosperity of your own tribe, if you will, the church's mission is unnatural in this regard because the followers of Christ are called to seek and to serve and to sacrifice for those who are not part of the family of God yet. Rather than segregating oneself from different ethnicities, cultures, or classes, Christ followers are called to tear down walls of injustice through seeking out and serving the other by accomplishing racial reconciliation through relational restoration. This is exemplified through the apostles' solution that we read about in uh, the next verse in Acts chapter 6, verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, people could look at that and be like, oh, they're too high and mighty. No, they're understanding what God's role for them is. And so they say, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to, and to the ministry of the word. And so it goes on and lists their names, which are obviously uh, uh, Greek men, and so the word of God spread and the numbers of the disciples increased rapidly. Man, this was a wonderful solution to a very serious problem that could have sidelined the church from the get-go. 
They adequately took the responsible next steps in order to lead to unity amidst diversity. The intentional care that the early church took to maintain and promote multi-ethnic unity is a model, honestly, for all believers and even in our culture today. They didn't turn a blind eye, did they? They didn't blame anyone, did they? Instead, they took the responsibility on their shoulders and willingly humbled themselves and followed the Spirit's guidance in order to bring out a multi-ethnic unity and multiculturalism within the church that allowed it to go outside of Jerusalem, that allowed it to go all to the ends of the earth as God commands us to in the Great Commission. The leaders of the early church realized their limitations and gave this responsibility to these seven men, and it was very important, isn't it? I mean, you're feeding people. You're making sure that people have sustenance and can live. That's a very important role that the wider culture looks at and says, oh, they're doing it right. They're figuring it out. And so that is what the early church did. So at its inception, the early church was multi-ethnic, and it literally changed the world by confronting its implicit biases and humbly following the guidance of the Holy Spirit to work out the perfect solution needed to tear down unjust dividing walls. The early church was able to achieve multiculturalism, and so can we, even though we live in a culture where all of these dividing walls are all over the place, aren't they? But we have to realize that the multi-ethnic church is achievable. The multi-ethnic church is achievable because we see it happening in Acts. And we see in one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 16, it says, For Christ himself has brought, has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law that, with its commandments and regulations to make peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people with the two, from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Man, isn't that beautiful? That Jesus willingly sacrificed himself so that the two groups can become one. Jesus willingly laid down his life so that we could then be in relationship with those who don't look like us, with those who don't act like us, with those who don't maybe even worship the same way as us. That we can be in relationship with the people who don't vote like us or who don't live in the same tax bracket as us. This is what Jesus gave his life for. And what Jesus gave his life for, he should then receive because he purchased this multi-ethnic unity with his blood, and he should get what he paid for. So how can we here at MCC do this? How can we actually live out a multi-ethnic unity with one another? We're honestly, I'll be honest with you, we're doing a really good job, to be honest. Uh, there's a long way to go, but we're doing a good job. Yesterday, when I was getting sunburnt, observing everybody, you know, building frames, I mean, we had uh, so much diversity and so many different age groups and families working together, collaborating with one another on a, a single project. And man, it was just so gratifying. And it just filled my heart like, this is what God wants. This is what he wants his church doing. This is what the kingdom of God looks like right here in our parking lot. I mean, that's amazing. 
So the first way, just four action steps, you know, really short here, four action steps that we can take in order to achieve this multi-ethnic unity in our church. The first one is that we can pray. We can pray Jesus's prayer for unity and ask the Holy Spirit to root out any biases in our lives or any favoritism in our lives. Check out this verse. This is really uh, convicting. Uh, James chapter two, verse one. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Ouch. I mean, I'm guilty of this. I have my favorite people. You know, I've got my besties. How can I say that I am claiming to have faith in God when I show favoritism? And then uh, we, all, we couple that with Jesus' prayer of us being one in John chapter 17, of us being one, of uniting together. We're going to pray that prayer in a, in a couple seconds, actually. We're going to follow Jesus' guidance and pray that prayer for unity in our church. The second step that we can do is to intentionally position ourselves to build a diverse, multi-ethnic relationships with others. Jesus prayed that we would be one and commanded us to do so. In, John, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, again, the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That Greek word right there, all ethnicities, or as uh, Genesis talked about, all the families of, our, of the earth. We're called to, to go to them and make disciples of them and build relationships with others. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you had someone in your house that didn't look like you? When was the last time you had a conversation with someone that was ethnically different than you? Friends, tribalism can quickly become our default lifestyle unless we intentionally pursue and implement the multi-ethnic nature of the Great Commission and strategically place ourselves among others in spaces and places where we can build relationships with them. That's when you're building your relationship, you can kind of hear walls starting to crumble and, and di division starting to be eradicated through that relationship. So one action step that you guys can take today is go to someone who doesn't look like you and ask them this question. What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant? It's an easy question, but I bet you'll find some unity in there. I bet you will find some unity of, oh, you go there, I go there. Okay, cool, yeah. You like that? You like Bieria tacos? I like Bieria tacos. You know, it can happen. And so we can do that as we leave today. Another action step is something that you can plan on. So MEC, which is Multi-Ethnic Conversations, it's a group that I'm actually going through right now, and it's really revealing because I'm able to hear the lived experience of other people who don't look like me. I'm able to hear them and empathize with them. So mark your calendars on, uh, in the fall on Wednesday evenings starting September 14th. You can enter into this group and uh, you can go ahead and, and register today. The, the registration's open. You can go to Realm and register there. But I love that what we're gonna do, asking people what favorite restaurant they have or this class it fulfills the words of what Dr. Eric Mason said up in Philadelphia, he's a pastor there. He says, if you don't have proximity, you won't have empathy. So if you're not close to people, it's really easy to not empathize with them. Oh, that's their problem. They're, they're in that neighborhood. 
everything's fine in mine. If you're not coming close to them, then how can you empathize with them? How can you know the struggles that they're going through and how you can shoulder their burdens? Third, thirdly, prioritize peace over your preferences. In Ephesians chapter two, we read earlier that for Christ himself has bought, brought peace to us. And we can maintain that peace that Jesus brings to us by living out the words that Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, verses two and three. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Bearing with one another. That's kind of easy to do. I'm just gonna put up with you. Yeah, they're just okay, okay, okay. That's just who they are. But Paul says, in love, that's a completely different ballgame, isn't it? Where you have to be completely, in, you have to love them and bear with them and make every effort to be united with them. That means your preferences have to take a back seat. And you have to search out what their needs are and lift them up. So an action step that you can take and you can schedule is on June 18th, just this Saturday, it's Juneteenth Festival. It's the 35th anniversary, I believe, which is kind of crazy because I'm 34 and I didn't know about Juneteenth. That's another way, thing that I learned about through this MEC class. And so you can mark your calendars. It's down at Eden Park from noon to nine. Uh, Juneteenth, Cincinnati.org is where you can find more information. But one reason why I believe is that because at its inception, the church has always been multicultural and multi-ethnic and it literally changed the world. Friends, our culture's changing. America is changing. According to William Fry of the Brookings Institute, he says, racial and ethnic diversity will be an essential ingredient of America's future. The mostly white baby boomer culture that defined the last half of the 20th century is giving way to a more multi-hued, multicultural nation. God wants our church to be multicultural and multi-ethnic. It is part of our spiritual heritage, but it takes intentional care for it to be achievable, even in the midst of a deeply divided culture. So one big idea that I just want you to take away with, with you today is that I believe because God wants his church to be multi-ethnic, and he's inviting you to be a play a part in it. He's inviting you to play a part in this. So let me go ahead and pray for us as the band leads us. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you today. God, I echo the words of Jesus in John 17. Help us to be one. Unite us together. Tear down walls that divide us. Root out biases from us. Help us to grow closely to one another. Holy Spirit, I ask that you search our hearts and remove anything that is not of you. Show us exactly what it is that's going on in our lives, whether it's intentional or unintentional. God, show us exactly what it is that you want us to remove from our life and help us to do that. Guide us to do that so that we can be one as you and the Father are one. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.